Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. Each week, we interview top experts in physical therapy, pain science, and integrative pain care. You'll learn the most up-to-date information for treating and reversing persistent pain. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, welcome to episode number 152 of the Healing Pain Podcast. Today we're discussing how to move effective pain education forward in developing countries. Our expert guest this week is Professor Felipe Hayes. Felipe is a Brazilian physiotherapist and professor of physical therapy at the Federal Institute of Rio de Janeiro. His research focuses on pain education, emotion, and cognitive neuroscience. He is a visiting researcher at McGill University, an associate researcher with the Pain and Motion Group, and chair of the Pain, Mind, and Movement Special Interest Group at the International Association for the Study of Pain. Today, Felipe will discuss his research and continued work in improving pain education for both adults and children in developing countries. Felipe will compare the chronic pain epidemic in Brazil versus other countries, discuss how pain education is being rolled out in the curriculum of physical therapy schools in Brazil, how to develop pain education tools for people with chronic pain, and his own unique and innovative pain education cartoon book for children, which is called A Journey to Learn About Pain. If you're a practitioner who treats children or adolescents with pain and you'd like to use this book, or perhaps you are a parent of a child with pain, you can download this cartoon book for free today. All you have to do is text the word 153-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. That's 153-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. Or you can open up a new browser on your computer and you can type in the URL www.integrativepainscienceinstitute.com forward slash 153 download. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com forward slash 153 download. Of course, super generous of Felipe to be providing this great resource for all of you today. Okay, let's begin and let's learn all about pain education in developing countries and how to create effective pain education tools for both children and adults with Professor Felipe Hayes. Hey, Felipe, welcome for Healing Pain Podcast. It's great to have you here. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk with you a little about things that we are doing here in Brazil. So it's a big pleasure for me. Yes. Thanks for joining us all the way from Brazil. And I think, I mean, I've had JP Canero on the podcast and he's Brazilian, but I think you're the first physiotherapist and pain expert who I've actually interviewed who is living and working in Brazil. And I know it's a large country with lots of challenges with regard to pain care. And I know you're working on that every single day in your practice and your research. I'm excited to chat with you, but tell us a little bit about your work in Brazil and how you got interested in obviously physiotherapy and pain care. Yeah, that's good. It's an interesting question. 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I start to work with leprosy patients and see a lot of patients that have a lot of neuropathy. And leprosy in Brazil is a very, very common disease. And we had a lot of patients with pain, with neuropathic pain, that underwent some surgeries like neurosis and also high dose of corticoids, but they didn't get better. So I start to think that, wow. We have a surgery that's uh, maybe the, the surgery has mechanical effect, like uh, keeping the nerve free, 
but the patients still have pain. A lot of different psychological aspects too. So I started to think that there are a lot of other factors involving the patient's pain. I started to read a lot about that. So it was 2005, 2006 maybe. I got very, very interested in pain and especially in neuropathic pain. So after that, I made my master thesis and also my PhD thesis in pain in leprosy patients. I invited from our friend to work in a, in a lab that studied neuroscience of emotion, behavior, and cognitive aspects. I developed a lot of research about pain and emotion and neuroscience aspects. So from now, from 2010 maybe, and till now, my main field of research is neuroscience aspects of pain, emotion, and cognition, and how it impacts behavior, patients' behavior. Right. Whose lab did you work with when you were working on your PhD? I work in a lab. She's a dermatologist. She's also very, very interesting to understand patients' pain too. And after that, I made some research with some patients. For example, two years after my PhD, I, I keep my work with leprosy patients. But then I started to look for other musculoskeletal pain, like uh, low back pain, and I changed completely my interest. And also I'm working now with all kinds of pain. So we have some study with headaches and also uh, pediatric pain, musculoskeletal pain, because in our lab, we are much more interested in the mechanisms of pain. But not only that, we are also interested in give some tools for clinicians and also for patients to understand a little bit pain and also to have good information on the internet. And just give us like some background and maybe describe what is pain like as far as it being a problem and a challenge in Brazil and how does it similar and how does it potentially differ from the United States? Yeah, I believe that we face the same problems that other countries too. But for a country that we have a free public service for health, it's necessary to think about the costs too. And also the impact from impact of some interventions for the populations, for example. Here in Brazil, from 2010 to now, we have an increase of uh, low back surgeries and also opioid use. But we're not facing an opioid crisis like U.S. and Canada because the most part of the population don't have money to buy opioids, for example, because more expensive than other drugs. But the prescription rate of opioids increased from 2010 to now. And we also believe that we still have a lot of surgeries that are not necessary and also some advertisements from the government to the population that are not completely correct. It means that they doesn't follow the guidelines. In other aspects, we have a large country. So, for example, some places in Brazil that you have, for example, in the Amazon region, that you have to go by boat, it's uh, six hours, 12 hours from the capital of the, the state. So it's very, very far and difficult to access and people maybe doesn't have good health services there. That's 
characteristics of our country was the main factor, the main thing that we start to think to develop our website and our website. The main mechanisms that we start to think is that people need to know good things about pain. People need to know the correct information about pain. And how can we approach those patients? And how can we get give this information to the clinicians around other parts of Brazil? So the internet is the way. It's interesting. So you're saying that Brazil has a socialized medicine or a public or price yeah. to say a government provided health service and the government is the one who creates let's say the advertisement and the education around pain can you give us an example of one way you'd like to see that improved and how the government of brazil could improve that yeah for example there are some recommendations for patients with low back pain that they need to look after their posture and also the way they sleep the way they carry things and the way they they move their trunk. So the recommendations from the health ministry are completely different from the guidelines, for example. So if you want to, to understand some aspects of low back pain, you go to the health ministry website, you see a lot of information that are not correct. So it's a completely nonsense. Right. And then it's difficult to get the information to the rural parts of Brazil so people can access it. Yeah, that's it. Tell us what's happening in physical therapy school and in physiotherapy schools in in Brazil with regard to pain education, pain neuroscience education, and how things are moving in that direction. In 2015, we want to understand what happened in the physical therapy courses. For example, if all the courses in Brazil or how many courses in Brazil has a specific course, a pain course, for example. The SP recommends a specific course, a specific contents for physiotherapists. So we start to think that we know that we have a lot of schools in Brazil. When we did the research, we had 800 schools in Brazil. So it's a, a lot of schools. We start, okay, let's think how many schools has a specific pain course. So we investigate all the 800 courses, and we found that only 6.5% has a specific pain course, which means like uh, we had the courses from 566 schools, only 26 schools has a specific courses Mm. uh, for, for pain. And also it's interesting because some schools that has the course, the pain course, the contents are not the same that he has recommended. So it's not a complete course, right? And so the way that we teach pain for our students, our PT students, are not in agreement of ESP recommendations. So we are trying to make this information available for everybody and try to change. And I, I believe, that I don't have this number, but I believe that things are changing. We have some teachers and also some directors that contacted me saying that, okay, I'm starting to give my students a PT, a pain course, a specific pain course here. And I, I believe that uh, maybe 10 years more, we have a, a good schools with more courses, pain courses. But you looked at the data on 800 schools. So is that 800 physiotherapy programs? Yes. 
Wow, yes. that's a lot of programs. I mean, yes. I think in the United States, which is a relatively large country, I believe we only have about 250 physiotherapy programs. Yeah. Brazil has a lot of, that's a lot of physiotherapists. Yes, yes. We have a lot, we have a lot of physiotherapists and a lot of PT schools too, right. yes. And I guess, do those schools follow the same, like other curriculum standards that they all follow the same standard? Yes, yes, that's yeah. it. So tell us about the work you've done specifically with regard to pain education and developing pain education tools to help move this along. Yeah. In 2015, it was very, very common here to see in, in national conference, people saying that in chronic pain patients, we need to, enter, we need to give pain education for patients with chronic pain. So we start to think that not all the PTs could do the pain education intervention. So we start to think that could be very, very interesting if you give some material and also some resources for clinicians and kind of clinicians and type of clinician, even if they didn't have any contact with pain education courses, they have to find information, for example, about pain education and how to do that and uh, be able to do with their patients. So in 2015, we started to think, how can we do that? And we found that the website would be the best thing to do. So we developed a website with tools for clinicians and tools for patients and last year for kids. In the professional area, health professionals can find some questionnaires, like a kinesiophobia questionnaire, catastrophization, anxiety, depression, the most common scales that we use in, in the assessment of chronic pain patients. They can also find a booklet about pain education and how to do that. They can find a board game that we develop for pain education, a board game that you can play with your patient. It's interesting because this board game was translated into Spanish, English, and also in French. Mm. So it's a, it's a free resource for everybody with different languages. And then the patient area in our website, they can find the first online intervention for patients. It's like a program in uh, nine steps that cover, for example, acceptance, pain, neurophysiology, education, psychological aspects, sleep, hygiene, how to deal with activities, how to get back to exercise, and how to improve the relationships. So it's like a program that the patients can go step by step, reading some information. The information is like a, the patient click on the number, PPT, a presentation begins with no more than three minutes. It's very, very fast. And patients can see a picture with two lines explaining some aspects of pain. It's called the recovery path. So it's a story about one character called Davi. And Davi crossed all the steps to get better. So patients can understand that and how the, the other aspects are involved in pain. Is that program in English or is it in Portuguese? No, it's in Portuguese. It's this in program Portuguese. is in Portuguese, yes. But some of your resources are available in English as well, right? Yes, we have the board game. It's called Dolor Ometer. 
the board game very very interesting because it's a it's a story of a patients with pain that you can say that's a low back pain for example and we start with high pain intensity like okay this patient his name is Oscar and he has eight in uh, pain intensity and let's try to get better so we start to read some sentence and the patient has to judge if it's true or false if it's true and patients say that's correct for example the pain intensity decrease and it it's false and the patient's wrong. For example, the patient, the, the pain intensity increase. You can see the things that patients think about the sentence, for example, their beliefs. For example, a sentence says that it's not good for chronic pain patients to do exercise. It's true or false? Okay, patient says, okay, it's true. Okay, that's correct. Okay, so it's false. Uh, and you can increase the pain intensity in the board game. So it's interesting because you can assess the beliefs of the patients at the same time. Patients, will, we need to use their beliefs to judge if it's true or false. I love yeah. that you gamify things. You see the gamification now in lots of things online, but I yeah, haven't yeah. seen it in the pain world yet. So gamification is an interesting area that I, I really should probably reach out and talk to more people about. So you mentioned the name of that is the Delorometer, which means the painometer, literally. Yeah, 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 that's it. It's interesting because you can download it. The board game and also the cards and also the rules, you can download on website and also on the Pain Motion website and just have to print it and use it for your patients completely free. You don't get any money to do that. Yeah, and Felipe is going to give me the links to some of this information so you'll all be able to come back to the webpage on the Integrated Pain Science Institute and you can, of course, check out some of the resources that Felipe mentioned as well as where he's located and what he's all about. And you also did some, some interesting things for kids as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Last year, we developed a comic book. We presented the comic book in the SP conference in Boston last year. Uh, the comic book was very, very challenging because, yeah, we know that all the talks that uh, we should say to the patients, for example, we, it's important to tell the patients about the neurophysiology of pain. It's, about, it's interesting to talk about the sleep hygiene and also the importance of activities. But how to tell these things to kids? This is very, very difficult. We start to think, me and the other colleagues, we start to think that the best way to do that is in a comic book. But how can we get all these concepts in a comic book? and make sense that develop a story that has a three specific characters, main characters, two kids, Clara and Freddie, and a scientist called Professor Dexter. And the Professor Dexter has a big computer that knows everything. And the Professor Dexter lives in the neighborhood. So one kid starts to complain about the headache that he usually have. The other kid, Clara, Said, says to him, okay, let's go to the Professor Dexter's house to see if he can explain what pain is. And when they arrived at the Professor Dexter's house, he started to explain the pain neurophysiology, the concepts of neurons, neurotransmitters, nerves, the brain, and the importance of psychological aspects, sleep hygiene. In a comic book, it's very interesting, and we also present some the book to pain specialists and change the story if necessary. 
and also we presented for the kids. Mm -hmm. So it's completely validated. We present the, we are preparing the manuscript to submit to our journal soon. We had three Brazilian scientists, me and two other guys, Professor Leandro and Professor Lee. Other three scientists from different parts of the world. Tonya Palermo, she's a psychologist, I think from Seattle, and specialist about pain for adolescents. Adrian Lowe, that everybody knows that Adrian is a specialist in pain education. And Kelly Ekmans. Kelly is a scientist from Belgium, from the Pain Motion Group. She works with pain in kids. And also the, her group developed a game for pain education for kids too. So we six developed the book. And uh, we first think that, okay, let's develop the book in Portuguese. But no, let's develop the book in Portuguese and also in English. It's a good time to do that. So the book is also in English too. I think it's a good resource because it's a free resource too. And also, I believe that's the first book for pain education for children that we have in the world. Congratulations on that. When I first came upon your work at the International Association for the Study of Pain, the World Conference in Boston, I saw that children's book and took a look at it. And I think it's great because there's not a whole lot of resources for children out there. But one thing struck me really interesting about that comic book is that it's simple and concise, which as we know in the world of pain science, pain science is not something that is simple and concise. It can be very complex. But distilling those lessons down into lessons that are simple and concise is kind of where the magic happens. And I started looking at it and I'm like, there's even an application here for adults because pain literacy is such a challenge for many people with pain around the world. Is pain literacy a challenge in Brazil? Yes, health literacy in Brazil, it's a, a challenge too because most part of the population has low years of education. So, and they are very, very difficult to understand how they can use the magical information in their life. So to understand pain is also difficult for them too. So we are very interesting to see, for example, in a cohort study, if you apply the pain book in a school, what happened with these kids 10 years, 20 years after that? You're very interesting about that. We don't know. But I believe that we need this type of resource to be applied in schools and also to discuss. The book is not to substitute the treatment, but to be used as an adjunct therapy for the patients and also for the parents to understand what's happening to their kids and how to deal with them because I think that parents has a huge uh, influence in kids' pain. Yeah. So, Felipe, you've done a lot of work, obviously everything from leprosy to chronic low back pain to pain in children. What's next for you? What are you interested in researching next? The main thing that we are investigating now, we are working with heart rate variability in our lab we are trying to understand the emotional aspects of pain, especially fear. We are having some good results with our students. For example, we can understand that chronic pain has an emotional aspects involved in the pain experience. And some parts of the brain involved in the pain processing 
is also responsible for emotional processing too. For example, the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, insula, and other parts. Some modification in their parts of the brain. We started to think that, okay, maybe this patient has emotional impairments too. So, for example, we know that emotion for us humans serves for social interaction. For example, I can read the facial expression and also adjust my behavior uh, according to someone's facial expression, for example. I can recognize a face of happiness and also sad. And uh, we investigate if we Patients with chronic pain were able to recognize emotional expressions like health subjects. And, and we found, for example, that it's not the same. Patients with chronic pain were not able to recognize some facial expressions. They recognize with a gap in time. For example, they are more slower than other subjects like health subjects. And the other aspect was about heart rate variability. We're starting to understand the connections between the brain and the heart, two-way connection. The brain influences the heart and the heart influences the brain. So we found that, for example, when patients with low back pain see a lot of images with movements of the trunk, the sympathetic nervous system increases their activity, for example. And when we compare with health subjects, the response are completely different. So we believe that even it's not conscious things, emotional aspects can develop emotional response like modifications in the, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system that are not conscious for the patients. Because in this experiment, we use only the passive visualization of the image and the, the sympathetic nervous system was had more activation than parasympathetic nervous system, only seeing the images, for example. So I believe that is the first study that did this, this protocol specific. And the heart rate variability and also the, the breathing, don't understand a little bit about that. So it's important to start to look at that. So we started to use some paradigms with heart rate variability studies. Interesting. Yeah. Well, when the information comes out, we'd love to have you back on the show so you can tell us more about heart rate variability and pain. It's an interesting topic that I haven't covered on this podcast, so I look forward to that. Um, I know you're going to share some links with us, but tell everyone how they can reach out to you and connect with you. Yeah, sure. You can find me on the Pain Motion website because I'm an associate member of the Pain Motion website and also in our website, means Pesquising Do and I can give the links. And also by email or Twitter, it's good to find me and, and also very easy. Why don't you tell us your Twitter handle? We'll include it in the show notes. So if you're interested in <laughs> tweeting to Felipe, we'll include it in the show notes. You can just click on it and you can tweet right to him. I want to thank Felipe for being on the podcast this week, talking about initiatives for improving pain education in developing countries, and of course, especially in the country of Brazil. Make sure to share this episode out with your friends and family, especially if you have friends and family in Brazil or physiotherapy colleagues in Brazil who are interested in this work. It's, of course, important work. I'm Dr. Joe Tad. It's been a pleasure being here with you this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for the invitation. And it was a pleasure to talk about everything we are doing here in Brazil. Thank you again for the invitation. Thank 
Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more, visit integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. Sign up to receive weekly updates, leave a review on iTunes, and share this episode with your friends.